Man, I, um, I, I really am excited about that ministry. I've gotten the chance to sit down with Gail, and I got to sit down with Lisa, and um, just hear more about what they're doing, and it, it's cool. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, like we said, this is, this is the church being the church outside of the church, and what an opportunity that is, what a ministry that is. Um, and one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons that I think it's so exciting, why I'm so passionate about it is because this is so close to the heart of God. I mean, isn't it? This is so close to the heart of God that we would care for people in need, specifically widows and orphans. You find that throughout scripture, but also can I just say that this is near to the heart of our church, which is just as it should be. One of the things I love about this church is that there are so many of you who are already involved in um, foster care. There are several of you who have already been involved in adoptions. And it's not just so you can fill your homes with children, but it's because you recognize that there are kids out there who are in need and they don't have a place to go and they don't have anyone to love them and anyone to care for them. Nobody who's going to take them into their home. And so, so many of you, seriously, I can't tell you how many I've sat down and had lunch with. It's like, oh yeah, we want to do that. We want to do that. We want to do that. This is close to the heart of our church. And I think that's so powerful. That so many of you would look at the situation and say, okay, you know what? I know it's going to be hard. I know it can be difficult. I know it's not easy on our family when you open up your family like that. But it doesn't matter. We're, we got this. We're going to step into that space. I think that's such a powerful and significant thing that we say, okay, this is my family. Because the whole world is telling you, you know, protect your family. Right? This is, this is what the world tells us. Protect your family. Keep your family safe. Keep your family happy. That's all we're really supposed to do with our family. And yet some of you are saying, oh, no, we're willing to open up our family. And it could be uncomfortable. There could be sacrifice involved. This could be hard on our kids in some way. But it doesn't matter. We've got this. We're going to step into that space. We're going to reach these kids in need because this is how God has loved us. I think it's so important, especially for us in the church, because um, if I can just be really, I'll just be really blunt, I, I think that when I look at the church today, I think we've gotten so caught up in the world's view of family. We, we've really bought into this idea that family is supposed to be this safe little incubator for raising healthy, well-adjusted children. And that's true. That's part of it. But that's not all of it. That's not all that family is supposed to be. And, and in fact, I would say that, that one of or maybe the most accepted idol in the church today is family. There's all these things that we preach about. We're like, oh, no, we know we're not going to have idols of our job or of our career or making money or anything like that. But family somehow gets this free pass. Now, let me me be really clear here because I love my family, okay? Crazy about my family. Don't leave here. Go, man, he doesn't like his family. I know what his deal is. He's like anti-family. No, I love my family. I love my family so much it scares me, okay? Like it freaks me out at times how much I love my family. I have a a screensaver on my computer that if I sit there long enough and, and, you know, I don't do anything, don't read into that. Um, I'm, I'm doing other things, you know, but I come back and there it is. And it's like, it's, it's a screensaver of their faces and it starts like scrolling through that and I will get lost and I'll be just like, oh man, they're so beautiful, they're so beautiful. I love them, I love my family. I'm, I'm frightened by how much I love my family, but, but man, there's such a danger here that it can become something I'm just living for. I'm just, I'm putting everything towards my family. I just want them to be happy. I just want them to be safe. I want them to have everything that they need and that's true. But somewhere along the line, that can become synonymous with following Jesus. 
That somewhere along the line, we can start misinterpreting. We start to look at the family and go, okay, as long as the family's safe, as long as the family's happy, as long as everything's going well with the family, that must be indicative of their relationship with God. Man, I must be following Jesus because look at my family. My family's doing well. Or look at them over there. Man, they've got this happy family. Everybody's doing so well. They must love Jesus. And those are not the same thing. It's not synonymous. We can have happy families that have nothing to do with Jesus. We can have happy marriages that have nothing to do with Jesus. All you need is a couple of people who are willing to work it out and they get some good training and, you know, it's grace of God and all of that. And they're going to they're gonna work things through and it's possible. People do it all the time. You can have happy families and it has nothing to do with Jesus. And so we have to be careful that we don't start to interpret, okay, this happy family, everything's going well over here. That must mean that I'm walking with God, that I'm following Jesus. They're not the same thing. In fact, when I look at Scripture, what I find is that Jesus has some really, really strong words about loving our family versus loving him. If you look at, at Luke 14, It says, now great crowds accompany them, Jesus, and he, Jesus, turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Probably not something you want to embroider and like put on a wall in your family room. Like that's probably not the passage. Uh, Carrie and I, we just had our 11th wedding anniversary this past weekend. We went to have this beautiful dinner. It was so nice. And we're sitting there. We're talking about our family and how much we love each other. And at some point I didn't stop and like, you know, here's the thing though. When it really gets down to it, babe, I hate you and I hate our kids. Happy anniversary. Like I didn't, that didn't come up. Didn't say that. I'm still happily married. So you know that that's true. But see, but what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that there should be a categorical difference between how we love our families and how we love God. It should be completely like there's a different kind of love. There's a different devotion to this love. This is a love that trumps all other loves. And so what happens a lot of times, you hear this in sort of our Christian world, is that you say, we have God, and then we have family, and then we have work. And this is our hierarchy of priorities, our hierarchy of loves. And the way we treat those is somehow they're kind of independent of each other. And I love my family a little bit more than I love my work. And I love God a little bit more than my family. But what Jesus is saying here is that actually there should be this line across here. And then above the line is God, Jesus himself, the Lord and creator of all things. And then there's this line and then there's everything else. And Jesus isn't something that I add on to this list. He's not like another hobby. And I just sort of tack him on as make sure I have a little bit more love for God. No, no, no. Jesus He is the love that trumps all other loves. He is the love that defines and shapes all other loves. Everything that I understand about loving my family and loving my friends and loving my work and loving everything else is seen through this grid of loving Christ. I love him. And then everything else, including my family. Paul gets at this in uh, 1 Corinthians 7. Um, I think this is really important. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. And from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Again, probably not something you want to hang next to your wedding pictures. For the present form of this world is passing away. And I want you to be free from anxieties. 
The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul says, look, it doesn't matter whether you're single or whether you're married. Your first priority, your first love, what your life is aimed at, what your end goal, it's all centered around Christ. It's all pointed at Jesus. It doesn't matter your marital status. But he says, notice that if you're married, it gets a little bit harder. If you're married, it gets a little bit more distracting. There's a little bit more to worry about. And if you're married, you've got kids, like you can appreciate this. There are things that I'm married, I have kids that I worry about, that I'm anxious about, that I never would have been if I was still single. I have a mortgage, I have a minivan, I have VeggieTales songs stuck in my head, right? That was never going to happen. I think about how am I going to pay for my kids' braces and how am I going to pay for their college? I get worried about these things. Yesterday, um, my entire family came down with the flu except for me. And, um, and I was telling Carrie what, she was like, so what are you preaching on? I'm not going to be there. And, and so I was telling her, she said, well, isn't this ironic? This is Saturday. You're supposed to be getting ready for Sunday and I'm playing nurse. And that's not to begrudge anything at all. Like this is a privilege for me to get to serve my family. My wife serves me so much more than I serve her. And so the fact that I actually have a moment where she can stay in bed and I kind of run around and take care of things is actually kind of cool for me. I never get to do that. So this is not a complaint at all. This is just reality. When you've got a family, when you've got kids, it adds stress to your life. It's not a bad thing, but it can be distracting. And whether you're married or single, this is really the case, isn't it? I mean, even if you're single, see, if you're married, your distractions are built in. If you're single, you choose your distractions. And so what I see a lot of times with with people who are, are single guys and gals, as we call them in Texas, um, is that there's this distraction of trying to sort of like figure out life and and find out what you want to do. And all of it is aimed towards that moment where you're going to meet the one. I see so many single people who are so caught up in finding that one person that they miss the fact that they've got this life right now that God wants to use. I don't know if this is common here, but like when I was in Texas and when I lived in the South, I mean, I would know guys, this is not much of an exaggeration, who like their life is so focused on this future marriage that doesn't even exist yet. And so they're like, oh man, I'm going to get my career in order because someday I'm going to have to be, be, provide for a family and I'm going to get the house and I'm going to get my living room furniture and I'm going to go ahead and buy a sensible car because someday I might need a back seat. Right? And, and this is maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but not by much. And I want to say, quit wasting your life. You don't know if you're going to get married. Like God knows that for you. You don't know if this is what he has planned for you. Are you even open to the idea that God might have something different planned for you? Man, this is an opportunity. This is what Paul's saying. Man, when you're single, you have this focus. You get to choose your distractions. So don't choose something other than Jesus. Be focused on him. Follow him. Pursue him. There was this song years ago that just killed me, Um, and I don't remember how old this is. It's it's a while, but it was a Brian Adams and Barbara Streisand, I think. And but I still remember the line: "My life has just begun. I finally found someone." Man, I hate that song. 
That is so stupid. And yet so many of us, man, we get lost in that. We buy into that. We're like, yeah, man, as soon as I find somebody, then my life can get started. So I better just start preparing the way. Someday that's going to happen. Listen, you don't know. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time waiting for some imaginary person who may or may not enter into your world. And see, this is what Paul's saying here. Don't be distracted. It doesn't matter whether you're single or whether you're married. Either way, he says, there's this battle, there's this fight, trying to keep our focus, trying to keep our devotion secure to the Lord. It doesn't, your, your marital status doesn't play into this. It doesn't give you a free pass. Oh, well, you're married, so now you don't really have to worry about Jesus. No, he says, it, it just means you have to fight that much harder. A lot of times when um, I think we fall into this trap of thinking that what defines us is our marital status, our family, those things, because they are so important. They're so significant. And so it's like I'm this married person, and then here's my marriage, and here's my family. And then I, out of that, I try to figure out how I can serve God. Or I'm single, and I've got, you know, these friends that I need to hang out with, and I've got this work that I'm doing, and I'm, I'm serving at the church. And somewhere in there, I've got to figure out how to fit Jesus in instead of saying, no, look, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is my priority. This is, this is what my life is centered around. It doesn't matter whether I'm single. It doesn't matter whether I'm married. All of it is aimed at Christ. And Paul says, look, I want to free you from these anxieties that get in the way, that distract. He says, I don't want you to worry and stressed out over all this other stuff. Instead, what does he say? Secure our undivided devotion to the Lord. Man, how powerful is that? Can you imagine? I mean, just for a moment, can you imagine having undivided devotion to the Lord? Like where he is always what fills your mind. He's always at the forefront of your thoughts. He's always what your, your heart is like moving towards. You can't escape him. He's just always there. Can you even begin to imagine that? Like I struggle with that. I don't think it's actually possible. I think this is something we're supposed to like strive for, though. That by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to shape our minds, the way that we see the world, the way that we think, the way that we, we do life, and more and more and more. Jesus is what fills our minds. That becomes our focus, our undivided devotion to the Lord. Not to our spouses, not to our children, not to ourselves, but to Christ. And so I love my family. I love my family. Man, I love my family. But I love my family through this grid of loving Christ. He is my first love. He is my priority. And so he informs and shapes what it means for me to love my family, which means that loving my family cannot mean just making them happy all the time. It means that loving my family cannot mean just giving them what they want and making sure they're safe and making sure my kids get an education. That, that's all important. That's all good. But that cannot mean... That can't be what it means to love my family. Loving my family, if Christ is my first love, means always encouraging and pushing and driving and spurring my family on to love him. That it's my job to secure their undivided devotion to the Lord as much as I'm able. Um, there have been times uh, in our marriage where I, I've told Carrie... I wish it was my job just to make you happy. 
I mean, there, there have been moments where things were going on in our life and decisions that had to be made, man, it would have been so much easier, easier if I could have just said, okay, babe, I love you. I'm just going to, I just want to make you happy. And this is the easiest thing to do. And, and so this is the decision we're going to make. And we're going to make this and it's going to make everybody good and safe and secure in our family. But that's not my job. My job is to spur her and our kids on towards Christ. And guess what? Carrie's job isn't to make me happy either. Dang it. <laughs> it's not. Her job, thankfully, is not just to make me happy. Her job isn't just to make our kids happy. Her job is to spur us on towards Christ. And understand, she does make me very happy, but that's not her priority. And for us, and some of you know this, some of you have been around a little bit longer, understand when, when our decision even to move from Dallas and to come out here, man, this is what was behind so much of it. I mean, there were a lot of factors, but this is what drove it. This is what was behind that decision, that, that we looked at our life in Dallas and said, okay, we got all this great stuff going on. You know, there's nothing, that, no complaints. Everything was good. We could have stayed there for a long time, and, and yet we felt like this urging from the Lord. And so we said, okay, you know what? It's more important to us, for our family, that, that our default setting would be to follow Jesus. Even if it didn't make sense, and believe me, we had so many people tell us we were crazy. There was a terrible idea. Why would you ever make this move? You're leaving your family and your friends. You're going someplace you have no idea. There are Eagles fans out there. I mean, it's scary, all right? And But we were like, oh, I know, I know this is scary, but it doesn't matter Like what we want. We want that to be the legacy of our family. We want that to be the DNA of our family, that when we have to choose, okay, do we play it safe over here? This is what's going to make everybody happy. So what's going to keep everybody safe and secure? Are we going to follow Jesus? Then we're going to follow Jesus. And look, you're not going to find that in a how to have a happy marriage manual. You're not going to find it. Nobody's going to tell you that. Nobody's going to say, okay, happy marriage. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to leave everything that you know. You're going to leave all your family, all your friends, wipe out most of your savings. You're going to take a job that you don't know if it's going to last for more than a year, right? Nobody's going to say to do that. And yet that was, we're just like, man, we have to. This is Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our God. We gotta, this, this has to be the default for our family. And listen, we're not these super spiritual, godly, courageous people, okay? And I don't want you to hear that. You're like, oh, you're a pastor, and you guys just make these hard. Listen, no. No, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a coward. I'm a fearful person who worries all the time about everything. But he's my Lord. And I, man, if there's one thing that I want more than what my fear can overcome is that I want my family to love and to follow him, to do everything that we can to make that like the DNA of our family, that that becomes the legacy that we hand down to our kids, that someday we can tell them they're going to say, why we live in Pennsylvania? And I can say, because when push came to shove, we were like, you know what? It doesn't matter that grandma and grandpa are back over here. We're going to go out there. Because that's where Jesus is living, leading us. Maybe he's living here too. It's God's land. No, but that's, that's where he's leading us. And look how, he, look how he cared for us along the way. I mean, every step along the way, and we didn't know how this was going to work out. I didn't know how this was going to work out. I didn't know how this was going to work out. But God showed up, and he showed up, and he showed up, and he showed up. And that doesn't happen unless we follow him someplace where it doesn't make sense. Like, we don't get to see that. And I desperately, desperately want my family to have that. I desperately want my kids to know that. I want them to love Jesus more than anything else. 
You know, when I pray for my kids every day and I'm begging God for is their souls, that he would capture their hearts and that they would love him and they would follow him all of their days. And and look, I care about the same things for my kids that all of you parents do. I I want my kids to have an education. I want them to be happy. I want them to be healthy. I want them to do good at sports and meet a special person and, and live happily ever after. I want all that for them. Man, that's not what I pray for them. It's not what I pray for them. Man, what I pray for them is that they would know Jesus. I want them to follow him. I want them to know him. I want them to know that they don't have to be trapped in their sin and their brokenness. I want them to know him the way that I know him, that you don't have to be crushed by fear. I want them to know him in such a way that they know they don't have to live up to what this world says they have to be and they don't have to get approval from everybody and acceptance from everybody because they're already accepted and approved by the only one who matters. That in Christ they are heirs of God, the Father. That they have a place in his family and that trumps everything else. That's what I pray for them. But listen, should, God forbid, one of my kids say, I don't believe he's not my Lord and walk away, I wouldn't follow him. I'd follow Jesus. I know parents who when push came to shove, they say, man, we love Jesus, we love Jesus, and they're raising their kids, and then one of their kids walks away and suddenly they go, mm, I think I love my kid more. And they looked at the cost. Jesus or my child? And they chose the child. See, following Jesus, man, it's not cheap. This is, this is if you go back to Luke 14, this is what he's saying. He says you have to count the cost. I mean, this is the context, right? If anyone wants to come after me, doesn't hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brothers, can't be my disciple. Verse 27, who does not bear, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Jesus says, look, don't start down this path if you don't know if you're going to finish it. You've got to count the cost. It's going to cost you something. It's not a free ride. Like, it's all given to you by grace. But understand that there's going to be things along the way. They're going to say, follow me, follow me, follow me. He says, if you follow one of them, you cannot be my disciple. Don't be like the builder who starts this thing off and then looks like a fool. I mean, I've sat across the table from guys who spent years, their lives, loving their wives, loving their kids, serving in the church, on and on and on for years. And then at some point they meet this other person. And the cost is too great. And they walk away. I know married couples who one of them has a crisis of faith and says, I don't believe this stuff anymore. And the other one says, yeah, then me neither. And Jesus says, look, you you can't be my disciple and follow somebody else. There's no compromise here, not even for family. 
It's all or nothing. And that's what he says in the next verses. I think this is so powerful. He says, he gives this story about these two kings. What king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So you can picture this in your mind, like think Braveheart style or maybe Lord of the Rings. And you got this army lined up along this hill and they got 10,000. They look over at the other army and they've got 20,000. It's a lot bigger. There's no way they win this. And so what do they do? Well, they're not stupid. They're like, okay, well, we're going to lose this battle. So let's send a delegation out. You go out there and you ask for terms of peace. What's it going to take? How are we going to work this out? And you know what Jesus says? So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. He says, you want to compromise? You want terms of peace? You want to know what my terms of peace are? It's all or nothing. Here's the line. This side, anything else. This side, follow me. There's no in between. There's no in between. And what I don't want uh, for me or for any of us is to one day, you know, it talks about one day we're all going to stand before God. Have you realized that? We're all going to stand before God. We're going to stand before Christ. What I don't want us to say is when he says, okay, did you follow me? Were you my disciple? We say, yeah, look, I have this happy family over here. And he says, that's great, but I, I never knew you. It's great that you had a happy family. That, that's, that's wonderful. I, I would have wanted that for you as well, but that, that wasn't where I was leading you. If we show up and we say, Jesus, this was my goal. My goal was to have a happy family. He's kind of like, that's not the right goal. That's not the end goal. The end goal is to follow me. So, so what, is, what is your goal? What's your life's goal? Like, like if you're single and you're sitting out there and you're like, okay, my life's goal is I'm going to get married. That's very short term. Try again. Like if you're single and you just like project out 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Okay, what's my life going to be about? How, how would this be described? If I could paint a picture of it, what would that be? Like, I I thought of it this way in terms of, like, mission statements. It's like, what's your life's mission statement? What's your life all about? If you project that out, you go, okay, this is what I want it to look like. That I'm devoted to Christ. I have this undivided devotion to follow Jesus. And then kind of reverse engineer and go back and let me ask you, are you on that path? Are you already going in that direction? Or is your attention completely divided by all other kinds of things? Are you distracting yourself along the way? Are you single-mindedly in pursuit of Christ? Are you looking for opportunities to say, okay, you know what? I'm not worried about getting married. I don't know what God has planned for me. I just want to know that right now I'm serving Christ as best I can. Is that where you're at? And if you are meeting that special someone, do they share your life's mission statement? Because that's kind of a big deal. Because if your spouse doesn't have the same one, yours is going to change. Just warning you. You What's your life's mission statement? What's your, what's your marriage's mission statement? What's your marriage about? What do you want for your marriage? Project that out. Imagine that in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Okay, what do you want that to be? 
And then step back. Are you on that path? Are you praying together? Are you reading scripture together? Are you spurring each other on towards Christ? What do you want your family's mission statement to be? What do you want for your kids? What, what, what do you project for them? And are you, are you teaching them that? Are your kids going to someday look back and you're like, oh yeah, I was really hoping that my kids were going to turn out to really love Jesus. And granted, we never actually talked about it. We never prayed. We never did any of this stuff. I never involved them in the mission of God. I don't understand why this didn't turn out because that happens all the time. And don't wait for the church to do it on a side note. Okay? And we're here to equip and come beside you and come alongside you. But look, this is, this is your family. Are you praying with your kids? Are you training them? Are you teaching them to love Jesus? Are you involving them in serving other people so they can see that? Or someday they're going to be like, man, mom and dad kind of talked about this stuff, but I never really saw it. What's your life's mission statement? Your marriage, your family. See, look, the, the world pattern is like this current, okay? And it's, it's moving us towards, and with, with regard to our families, it's like this whole current that's moving us in this direction. And it's like, look, this is what your family should be about. This is the greatest good for your family, that it's happy and it's safe and it's secure. And if you and I don't have this mission statement out here, if we don't have an idea of what we want that to look like, that we want to pursue Christ, that our mission in life is to make him known and to proclaim his gospel. And that includes my life, my family, my kids, my wife, all all of it, if we don't have that out there, then we are never going to swim upstream. We're just going to keep floating along in the wrong direction. I realize that for um, a lot of you, this, this is just crazy, okay? So I'll just admit that. If you're new here and you're like, this guy's nuts, um, I get that a lot. It's fine, um, right? So some of the, you, this is a struggle and you're you're not sure what to make of this. Um, I think for others of you, though, what you're realizing is that this is not hypothetical. And there's some of you in this room right now who you have made this decision or you have to make this decision. Where you have made this decision and say, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you know what? It has hurt relationships in your life. Maybe it was with parents, maybe your own kids, maybe friends, maybe even a spouse. And you said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. And you've, you've paid that price. You've, you've counted up that cost. And there's others of you who you're staring it in the face. And this is what's holding you back. You're looking at Jesus. Yeah, you know, I'd love to do that. But man, I, I, I need to please my spouse. Or I need to please my kids. I need to make them safe. I need to make them happy. And Jesus says, then you can't be my disciple. And so what do you do with that? I mean... If you're asking that question, if we follow you, Jesus, then what? And, you know, Peter asked the same question um, in Matthew 19. He ans- Peter answers, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, talking to the disciples specifically here, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone 
who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields, property, money, things you've given up for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? This is Jesus. This is what he's telling us. That there's nothing that we're going to give up that's going to somehow not get repaid to us. That there's this, this blessing that we can't even begin to comprehend, that we can't even begin to understand or fathom that's coming if we would just love and follow Jesus and let everything else go. Are you asking him that question today? Okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm thinking about it. Okay, if I was to really follow you, not just play the game, not just go through the motions, not just, you know, do the church thing, but really lay it on the line for you, Jesus, what happens? If I give all this, will you give it back to me? If I open up my hands, God, will you give it back to me? If you're asking that question, this is his answer, and you will never regret it. You know, there, there are people... In the world right now, I mean, this is, this is not a hypothetical for us, but there are people in this world, man, it is so real for them. There are believers in parts of this world right now who they are asking this question because they really are losing their families. Their families are renouncing them because they refuse to give up on Christ. They are losing their jobs. They are losing their lives. And some of them are losing even their kids' lives because they said, our family is going to believe this. And their kids suffer as well. But they're holding on to this. I mean, can we do that? Can we hold on to this as well? Can we pursue Jesus like this? See, our families, man, they're so important. They're so important. I love my family. But listen, they are more than just safe incubators for raising our kids. And when that becomes our priority, and that becomes synonymous for us with following Jesus, and he says, man, I don't, I don't recognize that. So it may cost. It may cost us. I mean, you talk to some of the people who've really made those hard decisions, even right here in this room, it will cost. Our families may suffer. We may suffer. But do you believe that Jesus, man, he's worth it? Do you know him like that? 